on the left side. Stone to the right, back in front, they score! Tic-tac-toe to Donov, back to Stone! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Theodore finds Wah in the slot, and overtime hero against Montreal, sets it up for Theodore, he scores! Vegas wins in overtime! Shea Theodore, the hero! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Vegas Golden Knights don't play a lot of games uh, this month, but they do play the Colorado Avalanche a couple of times, and it's going to happen within uh, a couple of weeks of each other. Tomorrow night against the Avalanche, and then next week uh, as they return to the regularly scheduled portion of the season. Looking forward to it, uh, and tomorrow night we'll launch the debut of Jack Eichel in the Golden Knights uh, lineup, Darren Millard. Ryan Wallace, Christopher Chapman, mm-hmm. all hanging out together, talking BGK hockey and the National Hockey League. A little history to pass your way just occurred in the NHL. That'll come up in one-timers. But uh, there is a, a lot of, as, as this inches closer, uh, Pete DeBoer was asked again, uh, little uh, angles about Jack Eichel and what that's going to be like. Again, he was uh, centering a line today between Max Pacioretty and Evgeny Dodonov. Uh, so there's uh, there's place in the lineup uh, appears to be set. <laughs> I wonder whether Pete would come out with a different look today, uh, but he stayed uh, <laughs> stayed status quo on that front, especially without uh, Mark Stone. Uh, and then how it uh, ripples through the lineup. There's been some different looks. Uh, the Misfits uh, don't have Jonathan Marsh so on their unit with Riley Smith and William Carlson anymore. So depth has taken over, and that depth at the center ice position as everybody uh, moves and uh, switches and adjusts uh, in order to accommodate the presence of Jack. Eichel and William Carlson was the man of the moment today as it related to the media because he offered a couple of great insights into what Jack Eichel is going to experience tomorrow and where the patients is most uh, going to be uh, have to have a, a presence tomorrow night when it comes to Eichel playing his first game in just under a year. But the but the best part of his media briefing involves Star Wars. Like Chapman, you're a big Star Wars guy. Wallace, <laughs> you're a big Star Wars guy. I know you haven't watched yeah. uh, uh, the Boba Fett uh, uh, presentation yet, but uh-huh. Carlson in a, in the last couple of uh, media sessions has been very upfront about uh, about what he's watching today. And, and Chapman, that he. I can't believe you weren't there for this one today. I know. You, you don't miss many of these. I know. And, you know, the funny thing is a couple, well, when because we, we were in the room and then we were out of the room and now we can go back in the room. But one of the earlier press conferences of the year, Carlson walked in with like this really cool Boba Fett t-shirt where it was like black, but it had like Boba Fett's mask, but it was like all flowery and, and really cool looking. So I, uh-huh. I people, people kind of, it wasn't me. But uh, some, I think it was probably Ben Goetz, the nicest guy in the media, asked him about be- being a Star Wars fan. And, you know, Carlson opened up and said, yeah, yeah, I love it. I watch it all the time. It's great. So, uh, yeah, so, so, so now the media knows that William Carlson is a big Star Wars guy. And, and um, You know what else we learned? Which media members are big Star Wars geeks? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm a Star Wars geek. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't have Danny Webster pegged. Oh yeah, yeah, Danny Webster. He's yeah. right in there. Yeah, yeah, Danny. No, I think I, think, I, I would have guessed Danny for sure. You yeah. know who, who isn't? 
Ed Graney. Who? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ed I don't was, know if yeah, he's I, ever seen any Ed of them. Ed was lost today at the start of the William Carlson <laughs> media presentation. I'll tell you, Ed and Tyler are are perfect for one another because I, I can imagine Tyler has no idea what Star Wars mm-hmm. even is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't think David yeah. Shane is uh, quite in the same grouping as, as Danny and, and Ben because David was pretty quiet today during the Bubble Fat <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so that was interesting for, for uh, like sitting back and just observing the interaction as as William was asking questions of the media to Danny and 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 Ben uh, about the uh, Boba Fett finale, and watching who is really engaged, and who was watching something in a language that they didn't have any clue of understanding, <laughs> and that was David, myself because I haven't seen this uh, this episode or, or this <laughs> or this series, and Ed Graney. Now I, I at least know who Boba Fett is. Good. But I, I, st- I still like hesitate. Is it Boba Fett? Is it Boba Fett? I, I like I'm not that entrenched in it where I'm I'm confident in saying that. But David Shane and and Ed Graney, they were as as great a journalist as they are. They were on the outside today. Well, it, it's funny when you talk about Ed because sometimes I'll listen to their show in the morning, and, and Jared is pretty in tune with with like pop culture and and he he's pretty good with movies and stuff. So when they have tickets to give away for like concerts and stuff and I love when Ed and Tyler have no idea who the band is. Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. apparently yesterday they gave away tickets for Volbeat and fortunately for them Gooch was on the show our our, our friend over from yeah. our sister station Comp 92.3 and wow, he that's had cheating. He had to explain to, 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 to Tyler and, and Danny, who was filling in, I think, for Jared, who uh, who Volbeat was. But I don't know who Volbeat is either. So, but Star Wars, hey, well, you're oh, butchering I'm, the name. Yeah, Jared. I am. But yeah, I'm just saying it how Tyler said it. So, uh, well, that, don't ever do that when it when it comes to <laughs> pop culture references. Do not take Tyler Bischoff's lead because 99 percent of the time he has no idea what he's talking about. But I'm all in on the Star Wars stuff. I downloaded Clone Wars to watch on on the airplane coming up on my trip soon. So, uh, well, we got a real look inside of uh, of what the Boba Fett uh, Boba Fett uh, series is uh, today from William Carlson, and then he switched gears seamlessly. Uh, to adjust to what he was going to see tomorrow night in the debut of Jack Eichel and what the adjustments Jack is going to have to make from going from two months of practice into a game situation. Maybe system-wise, yeah, um, because we're a brand-new team and he hasn't played with us ever. Um, It's also about getting to know your teammates, um, you know, kind of how they play uh, and what to expect when this or that guy have the puck. So I think things like that is probably the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Sage? The, uh, probably the, yeah, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I thought I could count on you. <laughs> Sage Sammons. No help. I like Darren's I, I, I big was, laugh at the end, too. You can uh, hear Darren well, over seriously? everyone else. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, was, it was my question, so I felt like I had to be engaged in the uh, in the answer. <laughs> Normally, I, I won't point out that it was my question, but he was looking. Yeah. Uh, William was looking right at me, and <laughs> but I didn't want to say adjustments. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's what he was talking about. Pete, uh, Pete also talked about uh, the expectations for Jack Eichel in his debut. 
Well, fair expectations is is that he he gets out there and takes a regular shift and and gets through it healthy and and starts to build some confidence. I think anything beyond that, I mean, this guy's been out for 18 months and is jumping into uh, mid-season. Uh, he's a special player. Um, I, I you know I have no doubt he's going to return uh, to a really high level, but how long that takes, I don't know. I mean, he's through, been through a uh, a groundbreaking surgery for hockey and uh, missed a lot of time. So I, I think we just have to all take a deep breath and let him get get through uh, the first game and start to work towards the player he's going to be for us. I don't think anybody wants to say, okay, here's the time and the progression line where Jack Eichel gets into the lineup and when we're going to see him at his best. Nobody wants to put those restrictions or expectations on him. Well, but, I, I think but go but, ahead. but but here's the thing. We're all really excited about it. <laughs> but yeah. I I think he's going to be uh, I think tomorrow night's going to be the toughest one and then I uh, I told you yesterday games 2 and 3 and 4, I think we're going to see some some real uh bright spots and sizzle uh, out of him. But uh, but I understand why you you don't want to put those expectations on him. But you can hear it in, in Pete's voice like he's he's jacked about this. Yeah, I, I think that you know it, it could be it could be kind of twofold, right? Like nobody wants to to put unrealistic expectations on Jack Eichel now coming out of uh, this surgery is certainly his first game back. But, you know, again, like even the time frame for when Jack might be ready to, to return was a, a little bit open-ended. The, the fact of the matter is like nobody knows at what point in time Jack Eichel is going to just be Jack Eichel out on the ice again. Like it, it, you just, you don't have kind of anything to, to base it from. You don't have a, a comparable Jack is essentially the first uh, first player to be to be in a National Hockey League game after undergoing this type of surgery. So, um, you know, I, I think you're right though. Like everyone, especially over the last couple of months, when we've had our our eyes on Jack, when we've been looking at the skill set that he has, when we've been seeing the types of plays that he can make in practice, the excitement level ratchets up exponentially because you just cannot wait to see this guy in action understanding what he's capable of doing and understanding what he's done so far in his career. Everybody wants to say he's going to be great. Yeah. Everybody wants to say it, but you can't. <laughs> you you got to offer some some realistic expectations knowing where he's come from in the last little bit, but having watched him in practice, it's hard not to like it's hard to hold back on that and and not get go all in. That, that he's going to be great. Uh, the, the mood tomorrow night. Here, here's Pete DeBoer on what that's going to be like at T-Mobile. Well, I would think our adrenaline should be uh, high because we got our ass kicked in Calgary last game 6 nothing. I think, I think that's where it should start. I think Jack coming in the lineup should be a piece. Your opponent, you know, who we're playing and, and you know, their record in the last 36 games. Uh, I would just thinking about that you know when I heard that they've won 30 of their last 36 or 38 which is you know in the NHL that's unheard of uh, to to put that kind of string together so um, you know I think our adrenaline better be in the right place for all those reasons yeah and it's funny that he brings up the Calgary game because it was so long ago that 
Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of that uh, sticks in the back of your mind of of having a game get away from you the way the way it did against the Calgary Flames, uh, and how it's just not normal uh, for this team to to have a game get away from them. So does that that linger, or do you get past that, and tomorrow night becomes a game more about Colorado and a game against the Avalanche? than it does bouncing back from the game against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think the fact that Pete you know, he kind of reintroduced the the idea that there's still a sour taste in, in his mouth and I think everyone's mouth about how that game in Calgary ended up uh, going, um, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of, of, you know, you've had a week, but you're going to respond to a clunker of a game against the Flames, and you're going to do it uh, by focusing in on beating a tough opponent in the in the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the Avalanche are the measuring stick in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League right now and have been for yep. the last little bit. Seems to be like they've done it uh, somewhat quietly, if you could say that, um, uh, because of COVID stops and starts and, and the schedule being all over the place. It just it, it, it feels like they've been somewhat... Uh, uh, doing it behind the scenes, and then you look up and go, they, 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 they're the best team in the NHL. Uh, we, we know what Carolina is and what Florida is and what Toronto is and, and Tampa Bay. Uh, we, we talk about those teams, seems to be, uh, a lot more than we've talked about the, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I'll be curious tomorrow night when we really dive into the matchup uh, when we broadcast from T-Mobile Arena uh, in Section 104 uh, from 4 to 6 tomorrow, uh, what your perception is of of the Avalanche and where you rank them in in the league. Because uh, up until uh, maybe three, four weeks ago, they've just been a team that's been navigating COVID like everybody else. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I, I, you know, with, with Colorado, it, it, as as you mentioned, kind of, like again, herky-jerky. There have been starts and stops. There have been points of the season where the Colorado Avalanche just didn't play enough games to even be top three in their division. And, and I think that kind of lends to the idea or the perception that, you know, the Colorado Avalanche are, are slowly going about their business. But, you know, when you when you look at their record and, and you look at – you know, 34 wins, eight and four, like 34, eight and four, 72 points in 46 games. Like it's hard to not look at the Colorado Avalanche as a team that is just dominating, not just their division, but the NHL as, as a whole, their home record is ridiculous. Uh, They've been really, really good. Uh, They've been great of late. And it's hard to not look at the Colorado Avalanche as one of, if not the best team in the league right now. They're a team full of individual stars. Yes. McKinnon, mm-hmm. Rantanen, McCarr. Uh, you, can, you can add in Kadri if you want this yep. year. Yep. Uh, certainly uh, Landeskog, uh, although he's more of a 200-foot. I, 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 no disrespect to him, but Mc, McKinnon has more sizzle than that. But, but mm-hmm. I, I just listed off a handful of, of stars. And, yep. and it's like their record has... has taken over as the calling point, but they've done it without the talking points of McKinnon and uh, McCarr. Does that make sense? It's almost like the collective is is overtaking the individual. And that's that's more like Vegas. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting because you're, you're, you're right in that last year 
when you talked about the Colorado Avalanche, it wasn't so much the record. It wasn't so much that they were winning games in certain situations. It, it was, was, oh boy, the, the, the famous line from Petrangelo. Yep. Oh boy. Uh-huh, 100%. It, it's, it's McKinnon, it's Landeskog, it's Rantanen, it's, it's Makar. It's how mm. do you shut down these guys? How do you get to, at the time, Phil Grubauer, who was a Vesna candidate? Like There were, as you mentioned, collection of stars. But right now, it, it's, it's almost as if the Colorado Avalanche have, have found a, another gear where you have these stars and you have them playing in a way that if you lose Nate McKinnon for a couple of games or you have to play a few games without Kale McCarr or Miko Rantanen, they're still finding ways to win. And, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Nazem Kadri is just going completely off this year um, and putting the puck in the back of the net, scoring at a ridiculous clip. Like, they're getting career years out of certain guys that are kind of raising the level of expectation for the Colorado Avalanche. Hey, do do you think, and this is not a tongue-in-cheek question, Mm -hmm. but do you think Nazem Kadri gets through the end of his season, whether it's uh, a playoff loss or or Stanley Cup victory, do you think he gets through this season without crossing the line? I hope so. Like... I I want to say that I like I want to say yes, right? Like I, I mean, it, it's so hard to to commit to that because every single time you feel like that's behind him. Every single time you feel like it's not going to happen, boom, there it is. Yeah. So like for for his sake, for the sake of the Colorado Avalanche. I, I don't want to see a year like he is having where I think he's opening up some eyes of just how good of a player he can be. Um, I don't want to see it end in a situation much like they have before where he crosses the line and sits out and that spells disaster for his team in the playoffs. I think he gets there. I, 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 think, he, I think he'll finish the season because he's a UFA. And I think how much money he makes on his next contract will have a large or how he finishes the season will have a large impact on how much money he gets right. next year. So I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a really good player. I, I, I like him a lot. Um, but I, I think he also understands that, look, there there is a possibility that this team doesn't lose to the Vegas Golden Knights last year if he's not suspended for the entire series. Fair, but the, that suspension came uh, in a game where it, it had no bearing on like it was before the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It, it came but, out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, but he 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 screwed up. So, um, you know, but but I and if he I, crossed the line this time, he's going to be out for a long time. A while, yeah. Yeah. So so I think I think he'll he'll finish and and I root for the guy. I mean, I I want to see him do well. Just not against Vegas. That will be something to watch how much he can keep it reined in mm-hmm. when when there's a situation that the intensity rises to a significant uh, level. Uh, Wrap it up the way we came into this segment, and that's with William Carlson. The lines have been juggled because uh, Jack Eichel's in, Mark Stone is out, and you've got the uh, line of Eichel, Pacioretty, and Dodonov. And then you have the unit of Chandler Stevenson skating with Nick Waugh and Jonathan Marchessault. What does that mean? Well, the misfits are no longer together for the time being. 
the Misfits and Marshall's spot has been taken by Matthias Janmark, who skates with William Carlson and Riley Smith. Carlson was asked today about Janmark being added to his line. Good. Uh, it's good to speak Swedish. Uh, good to um, you know keep Riley in the dark. He doesn't know what we're saying, so uh, he does. He does, and I'm not changing. Uh, planning on changing that. So, uh, but no, it's good. I think uh, he's the kind of guy that also uh, brings some attention to him. He he's just good at creating space. So um, I'm excited for tomorrow. Uh, they asked, is, does Riley feel left out? <laughs> and William Carlson was, again, in a great mood today. But uh, that, that'll that be interesting to watch. Uh, a real storyline tomorrow night down down the way between uh, Jack Eichel making his debut, Colorado being at the Fortress for the first time since uh, they were bounced from the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, uh, Colorado's record this year, uh, this, this new look, formation that that Pete DeBoer has with his forward lines uh, is is going to be something that you and I will be watching very closely yeah I mean I'm I'm really intrigued by the the first iteration of what the lines look like with Jack Eichel in Mark Stone out and you know kind of the balance that Pete DeBoer is going with right now with his lineup I, I have I understand what the Misfits can do when they are at the top of their game in full flight. However, I do think it is important, and I think that uh, one of the best things we got out of yesterday was Pete DeBoer saying, I don't want to get to the playoffs or late in the season without experimenting, without trying some new things, and seeing how to best maximize this roster. So you have an opportunity. You have some runway here, 34 games with Eichel in the lineup, knock on wood. Like, you try some things. You know what the Misfits can be together, but what might they be able to do apart? I love the duo of William Carlson and Riley Smith, defensively responsible, the ability to kind of beat you in transition on the rush, and you add the the speed of Matias Yanmark to that. Like, I, I look at that as as a, a, a checking line, a shutdown line, a line you can go out and throw over the boards in defensive situations and feel really good, comfortable about, and even a line that can turn some defense and offense. So I, I love the idea of the balance that this lineup creates. And, like, it, it's not lost on me either uh, that you've got two former first-round picks in Brett Howden and uh, Nolan Patrick, a, a second overall pick on your fourth line. That, that, that's that's tremendous depth right there for the Golden Knights. It's been weird watching practice in the last couple of days and seeing Marcia so without his buddies. Pacioretty yeah. <laughs> without Stevenson and, and Stone. Yeah. And then Stone without Pacioretty. It, it's, it's been just odd uh, because you get so used to those players always being beside each other or skating and doing line rushes with each other. And now they're all in, in different combinations. And, and uh, ironically, uh, you've got uh, Marcia So and Stevenson together in that. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to, uh, to bond over that, over that new experience. And, and so it's not just Eichel who's going to go through the the new experience tomorrow night of of playing with people that uh that he's unfamiliar with but to a lesser extent because they've all been part of the team before uh you've got uh Pacioretty skating with a new centerman uh you've got uh, Janmark skating with the Misfits uh you've got uh Stevenson and Marcheseau skating together in in a in a combination that's 
uh, foreign to them because of uh, of their longstanding line. So uh, that that could have uh, a, a, if there's any type of uh, slow start or hesitation off the bat, that could be it, as players just get uh, get used to each other in new combinations. We've got uh, some history to tell you about. The one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League coming up as uh, there's a celebration underway in the National Hockey League tonight. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Congratulations. We have history in the National Hockey League, and uh, the congratulations go out to Sidney Crosby, who scores his 14th goal of the year, assisted by Evgeny Malkin, and it is a goal that tied the game uh, or put Pittsburgh up to one. But more significant is it's the 500th NHL goal for Sidney Crosby. Yeah, 500 uh, career goals for Sidney Crosby. He is uh, second uh, among active players to only Alex Ovechkin, who has um, you know 732. Uh, but anyway, 500 for Sidney Crosby, and boy, do I feel old, understanding that um, I've seen essentially all 500 of Sidney Crosby's goals. Like that blows my mind a little bit. You've also seen uh, all uh, 732 of Ovi's. Yes, yes, but, like, I mean, Ovi's a a year older than Crosby. Like, there's just something about when a a guy enters the league as Sid the Kid, Mm -hmm. and he's the same age as you, and all of a sudden here you are at 35 years old, and all of a sudden you're, like, recognizing just how old you are. It's it's, it's weird. It's weird. Doesn't it also... uh really give you some uh, appreciation for how great Obi is that he's got a hundred uh, what uh, 232 more goals yeah than, than Sidney yeah, Crosby it, I mean like it puts into context just how dominant of a goal scorer Alex Ovechkin is and you know you and I were, were kind of chatting about it like it it also really really highlights how how difficult it was to see Crosby miss time in his in his in the prime of his career, like you look at you know hitting 500 career goals right now, but you just you kind of allow yourself to wander a little bit if if not for the concussion issues, if not for the injury history at, at the time that Crosby had it, what might those numbers look like today? Uh, because when you know when he was dealing with it, he was the the best player in the game. He was scoring a ton. The, it, it was Connor McDavid video game type numbers for Sidney Crosby in those situations. So uh, it gives you an, an appreciation for how good Ovechkin is, and it really does give you an appreciation for what what was lost in that period for Sidney Crosby. Uh, but it's it's also really awesome to see that that he's been able to find that gear for so long since those injuries, and and it's just been a dominant player in this league for a long time. To think that his career was on the cusp of being over for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. Like there was really serious questions, and it was early in his campaign, and came back. It was that uh, that unfortunate collision of the outdoor game that uh, sent him down a, a, a bad path uh, because of uh, the concussions. And it's just the the uh, ability to be able to continue back and and get back to that level of, of, of the sport and 
than the, the Olympic championships and the Stanley Cups and the, and the individual trophies. It's pretty cool. 500 goals for uh, Sidney Crosby in that game tonight. Uh, we've got uh, the update on the Calgary Flames. Tyler Foley uh, says uh, no need for a refresher course on Daryl Sutter. He knows what to expect. Now, they, they, they had a brief conversation after Toffoli was was acquired, and it only had to be a brief conversation because of the, the relationship that goes back to the two Stanley Cups uh, for Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, I mean, you. I, I feel like if you play for Daryl Sutter once, you you know. There's there's not much that needs to be said. You understand what the, expectation, the expectations are. Uh, you know the success that you have have found playing under Daryl Sutter uh, in in a previous stop. So I mean, I, again, I, I just this this move by the Calgary Flames just makes too much sense to me. It, it's uh, it, it's a good pickup, and I think it's going to be something that makes them even more dangerous in, in the Pacific Division. See, I knew there was a connection with Daryl. I knew there was a connection with Kirk Muller, uh, who coached Tyler last year in Montreal. But the the depth of connection within that Calgary Flame dressing room is insane. Uh, he, This is from an NHL.com article. Uh, Toffoli roomed with Sean Monaghan when they were with the Ottawa Senators together. So Monaghan and Toffoli know each other. He played with Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, and Brad Richardson, all with the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, the brief period of time with Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev with the Vancouver Canucks. He, he knows more people than Johnny Goudreau does on, on that Flames team. <laughs> and Goudreau's been there for a decade. Yeah, you're you're spot on. I, I mean, I, I knew of the the LA Kings connections for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Like Jacob Markstrom and, and, and Tanev, like Tyler Toffoli has had uh, some stops along his NHL career. But I think that, again, that just kind of allows him to seamlessly fit in with what the Calgary Flames are going to do. You know what Daryl Sutter expects of you, and having some familiarity with the players are already in the lineup that, that can't hurt the situation. Uh, and it again adds another layer to why this makes a lot of sense for the Calgary Flames and for Tyler Toffoli. Want to loop back to one of the major stories today in the, around the National Hockey League, and that uh, involves a report uh, that was out there that the Golden Knights uh, were exploring. Uh, a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks involving Marc-Andre Fleury. Here is the quote mm-hmm. from General Manager Kelly McCrimmon uh, to the Las Vegas Review-Journal and David Shane. Uh, there is absolutely no credence to that rumor at all. I wouldn't normally speak officially on such things, but there will be so much racket about this. It's important to let people know that it's not going to happen. So it's over. Uh, this, of course, is uh, in... Uh, not response, but uh, comes on the heels of Robin Leonard not being at practice for the last couple of days uh, for the Golden Knights. Laurent Brossois and Logan Thompson have been the goaltenders, and I would guess that it would be, you know, anything can happen. Uh, Brossois uh, is the uh, more experienced goaltender, could start against the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow night. Uh, Pete DeBoer said that uh, Robin Leonard was having some tests, uh, but it, uh, the tests uh, had nothing to do with the uh, the injury that uh, Robin Leonard uh, had uh, treatment for coming into this season. So there's a lot there, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, what could have been a, a big cloud 
uh, of distraction around the Golden Knights has been halted by the statement uh, from Kelly McCrimmon regarding uh, a lack of credibility to the uh, rumor that was uh, reported uh, involving the Golden Knights and Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and, and again, as as we've kind of you know touched on, we touched on it in the the opening of the show. We 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 need more information. Uh, we need to understand the timeline for Robin Leonard. We're talking about two practices here. It seems like a, quite the leap to go from uh, your goaltender misses two practices to all of a sudden you're you're looking at a situation where you have to address or gauge the goaltending market. That all being said. Uh, and as you brought up, Darren, you, you've already done the hard part in, in moving Marc-Andre Fleury in the offseason and creating that separation. Why you'd want to reintroduce that, open up that can of worms, I'm not sure. And if you are ever in a position where you have to address goaltending because of an injury, and you don't yet because we're not there, but if you did... I think there are other options that that are a bit um, easier to to really understand and work within the parameters of, of where this organization is today uh, than going down the route of Mark Andre Fleury. It's it's a bizarre season. It is <laughs> because yeah. you have you have Vegas in this vortex of sensational rumors. The Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the game right now. They have eight regulation losses, and people won't stop talking about Colorado going out and getting a goaltender uh, mm-hmm. to support yeah. Darcy Kemper. The Washington Capitals have been on a roll all year, have stumbled lately, and there's a strong connection to the idea that Marc-Andre Fleury could go to Washington and join Alexander Ovechkin, after they were <laughs> rivals for so many years. It, it's 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 a really weird one. Pittsburgh is first place uh, in the Metropolitan right now. Who had that after Tristan Jari just fell flat last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I, I can't get my head around what's happened. And then there's the Boston Bruins who are trying to make the playoffs and just went through the comeback and retirement of, of Tuka Rask. This is, this is a really strange year for goaltending and then the elite teams in the National Hockey League and their goaltending. It's, I mean, it's it's all it's all over the place, and and at times it can be a little bit exhausting trying to keep up with all the different situations where uh, you you need a goaltender, and then there are teams like you know the the Edmonton Oilers who need a goalie but won't go get one. So yeah, you know, there's there's that. It, like it, it, it's kind of like. The inverse of logic in the NHL this year is, is really blowing me away. If, if you had um, a list of teams going into this year that had goaltending questions, Edmonton would be one. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh would be another. Yep. yep. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers would be a team that had goaltending question marks. Carolina Hurricanes changed their goaltending over, like, completely. Mm-hmm. And... The Florida Panthers. I'll put them on the list. Of, of yeah. all those teams, like, Florida's responded well. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh has been a grand slam with Tristan mm-hmm. Jari. I mm-hmm. don't know whether Philadelphia's made any progress. I don't think they've backed up. <laughs> I think there's there's 
uh, a reason to believe that that Carter Hart is is going to be good, but uh, uh, I don't know whether they've taken a light giant step forward, given where they are in, in the playoffs. And then Edmonton, the like the 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 poster child for goaltending needs, have done nothing. Yeah, you're 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 spot on. Like it, it, you know. You, okay, it's like you look to Florida, right? And it was, will Sergey Bobrovsky bounce back or not? He has. That's great. Um, you know, the, the kind of the same thing with Tristan Jari. Like last year, regular season, Tristan Jari was perfectly fine. Playoffs, not so much. This year, he's kind of rounded back into form. Uh, and then, like it's, you know, I look at the Edmonton Oilers, and you know, you're a Mike, you're a Mike Smith guy. I'm not a Mike Smith guy. It's famous. We we all understand where we're at in in, in that argument. Um, but I mean, like the Edmonton Oilers haven't had Mike Smith available essentially all season long. So it remains to be seen if a tandem of Smith and Koskinen can kind of get the job done for the Oilers in the back half of the season. But um, I tend to believe it's not going to be good enough and that you need something more. And yet I don't think the Oilers are going to make a goaltending change. I don't think they're going to go out and find a goalie. I don't think they want to go out and find a goalie. Um, And I think that that's going to be what eventually comes back to bite the Oilers in the butt, either getting to the playoffs or once they're in the playoffs, another first-round exit because I just don't think their goaltending is going to be good enough as currently constructed. Oh, and Montreal hasn't had Carey Price all year. Uh, the the Arizona Coyotes' best goalie is a guy I'd never heard of prior to him skating out <laughs> for a preseason game at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. And yeah. that's on me because uh, Carl Vemelka has been really good for them and Seattle, which loaded up on goaltending thinking that would be the backbone to trying to make the playoffs in year number one, like Vegas did. And their goaltending has been really suspect. Hasn't gotten it. And then you look at it, you look at even the, the LA Kings, like you, you thought that they would get better in goaltending because Cal Peterson would be leading the way. And it's been a resurgence from Jonathan quick, like goaltending has been absolute anarchy this year in the NHL. Ben Bishop and Tuka Rask both retiring after yep. comeback attempts. Yep. It's like a just a weird paranormal vortex that we've got here. And you I don't even know whether that makes sense. You should write a book. Like the, the ghosts of goaltending past or future or present or whatever. I don't know. You ever thought of writing a book? There have been times. Yeah. I almost did one. Really? Did, did the whole layout everything then started doing some some work on it it's way too hard <laughs> like it, it I, I went down the path it's really hard if i was going to do it i'd have to do it like somebody would interview me and i would and yeah. they would have to ghost write it for me sure it's yeah. my wife's writing a novel right now and then watching really? the work that she puts into it oh my yeah. goodness no chance my buddy kipper did a book but he did it the right way like he, yeah. he had somebody write it with him. There's no way I could write a book on my own. It's just you let, way too hard. Would you let Chapman ghostwrite for you? Yeah, that'd be great. And then we could okay. sell the book with crayons. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be a children's book either. It would just be so simple. Like, it, like you'd need for... for uh, Everybody just to grab crayons and color while they uh, they they read our our book, right, Chapman? Yep. 
I don't even know how to respond to that. Well, we're not the two smartest guys in the world, are we? Speak for yourself. I mean... Well, I'm going to speak for the both of us on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and the crayons would be the would be the most um, intelligent part of the book. Actually, believe it or not, I actually I don't know if I still can, but when I was younger, I used to write really well. I minored in history. I don't if you know whether I can and, still and it, write really well. And if you minor in history, you write a lot. I didn't realize how much writing there was being a history minor. Oh, my goodness. That's, that says it all about Chapman and I and our book collaboration. I don't know whether I still can, but I used to be able to write really well. Well, I haven't had to do it, it for a it, long time. He makes it sound like skateboarding. I, you know what? I can't do that anymore either. Ride so. a bike. I can ride a bike. Yeah, we could. We, there you go. Gosh, I hope so. Uh, Chapman and I, that, that, we'll have to come up with the name of our book project. That, that's never going to happen. Not catching up with Chapman, but it'll be, we, let, let's do with that. And we've got our top 10 players in the National Hockey League coming up tomorrow. Uh, catching up with Chapman is coming up next. Uh, those are your one-timers presented by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. As we continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas, we've got tickets to give away, though, uh, for the Colorado Avalanche on February 26th. Yes. The Avalanche, this is the next time they're in town because they're in town tomorrow, and then they uh, they loop back uh, here. So it's a couple of visits by the Colorado Avalanche in the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's go with, uh, we did caller number nine yesterday. Uh, I am going to side with caller number 26 for Matthias Janmark. Caller number 26 to 702-876-1340. Be the lucky caller, and you will go to the Vegas Golden Knights game against the Colorado Avalanche on February 26th. We'll be right back. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hey, Darren. Uh, I am going to be on the road. Uh, today is my last show for uh, about a week. Um, I am. I booked my vacation back when we thought we were actually going to have some time off. So uh, me Are you and trying my... to justify bailing in the middle of the season now? Yes, yeah, but... You know, there's, there's, a, there's. It's great I'm going on vacation, but I'm, I'm actually very disappointed because I'm going to miss Jack Eichel's debut tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. So I'll be somewhere over the Atlantic, probably when the puck drops. Actually, I'll probably. I was looking at the. the, the uh, you're going way too far into the weeds here. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be on my way to uh, the south of France. Ooh. Um, my wife and I. This is kind of like our honeymoon. Marseille. No. Nice. Okay. Maybe uh, some Monte Carlo. I'm, I, I've kind Nothing of... says Monte Carlo like Chris Chapman. Oh, man. I, you know what? I read to, to go in the casino, though, you have to wear like a collared shirt and pants. So I'm bringing, I'm bringing one of my tattoo golf collared shirts. If I'm, going in, if I'm going in the casino, I'm going in in Chapman style. If I have to wear a collared shirt. I hope they boot your ass out of there. <laughs> they probably will. <laughs> I, I I've been told there's or I've seen that there's a pretty cool car collection that's always outside the casino in Monte Carlo. So uh probably as close as I'll ever get. Are you renting a car? Are you gonna... Nope. Nope. Train, walk, bus. <laughs> I I don't I, I don't know. I, I I drove in Japan and I can tell you it was an interesting experience to say the least. Um so uh, I, I, uh, well, in, France isn't France is easy to drive. Yeah, on. but in Nice they drive on the on the opposite side of the road than they do here for some reason. It's the only city in France where like driving is on the opposite side of the road. 
Are you sure about yes. that? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't believe that. I, that's just what I've read. But I'll be there during Carnival oh, too, boy. which which is going to be fun. You're telling me the whole country drives on yes the right side. Yes, and in Fran- and in Nice they drive on the left. I am calling you on that. I I will find it and I will tweet it out. <laughs> Are you buying that this right now? It doesn't sound right. No. It doesn't sound right. Yeah. This sounds like a Chapman thing though. <laughs> and 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 you'll you'll pull over on the left side of the road. That's why I'm not driving. And then we'll hear about like I'm the one that had the fender bender today, yeah. not you. I don't drive if I don't have to. Oh my I'm all for public transportation. <laughs> hey, be safe, okay? Thank you. And double check that thing about driving on the other side.